Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. My name is Derek. It's my wife, Andrea, and my daughter, Beatrix. And uh, we've been blessed to be coming to Branches coming up on close to a year. Um, the more we know, the more we like. Um, also, ironically, this passage for that I'm chosen to read today, uh, I work as a hospice chaplain, and it's a passage I've been reading to patients all week long, so I think it's appropriate to read it today. And um, introducing this prophetic uh, word that we all know, Isaiah introduces it by saying, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then he delivers this prophetic promise of hope to all those who are dealing with darkness, distress, despair, or facing death. For unto us a child is born, To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to light three candles of Advent, and I think that uh, candlelight is the perfect symbol of hope. If we were to make this room as dark as possible, Wherever you were in this room, you could still see a candle that's lit. So no matter how small the light seems, it's greater than the darkness. And so it is in our own life, no matter how great the darkness seems around us or the despair that we have, the light of God's hope is greater than that darkness. And through Him we'll overcome. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, The word says that you are the father of lights. And you said in the very beginning of time when there is only darkness, you said, let there be light. And in your perfect timing, you sent your son. And you called him the light of the world. We are so thankful for that light and for the hope that it represents for each and every one of us. I lift up my family lift up my church family, all of their families, and all of the people that we are collectively connected to, that your light would shine in each one of our lives, not only to bring us hope, but that we also would be an instrument of your hope and your peace, especially in this season. We thank you for your goodness, we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, if you guys could be seated. I'm going to give you some sounds here in a second, and I want you to think, as you hear these sounds, tell me if these sounds bring up a positive or a negative emotion, feeling, thought. Okay, so here's the first sound, and I want you to just be in tune with your emotions or your thoughts. Okay. Okay, so for how many of you was that a positive thought? 
And for how many of you was that a negative thought? Okay, so for some of you it's negative because um, you were forced to go to church or you had some bad experience or you live next to this place where they had really loud bells and you could never sleep. For me, I never grew up going to church, but we lived across from a monastery and when you're a kid, and my parents were not around, so I, we just wandered and I'd wander over this monastery, so I have all these good memories of that. Okay, so here's the next sound. This just made some of you happy right away. Okay, one more time. Okay, so for some of you, that's like, oh, that just makes me happy. It makes you think of Three's Company or some kind of soundtrack or you just love the sense of laughter. Or maybe you remember sometime you were in Spanish class and you stood up and some kid thought it was really funny and they pull your pants down, you're stuck with your underwear and everybody laughed at you. Not saying that happened to anyone in here. Of course, it wouldn't have happened to me in my Spanish class. But your, your emotions can go different ways depending on the sound because the sound is in the limbic system of your brain. And it's tethered to emotions and thoughts and memories. Here's another sound. I'm not gonna um, have you raise your hands for this one, that's for sure. Because for some of you, this is an amazingly positive thought. For some of you. Um, because you're looking back and you're thinking of your children or you're hopeful for the future or you're a grandparent or you're pregnant or um, it just brings this sense of joy. And then for some of you, you hear that sound and you're thinking, I got an hour of sleep last night. Why did you play that soundtrack so long? Like, I don't have to deal with that every single day. And then some of you just want a child so bad and it hasn't happened yet, or you've lost a child. And that brings up all these memories because that sound is tethered to an emotion. Okay, a couple more sounds. I know you're like, Wait, what was that? That's supposed to be a car skidding and crashing. For some of you, you thought it was an elephant stepping on a vase, but it's supposed to be that sound. And I didn't think about this, but for some of you, that brings up trauma right away because it was recent or it was a long time ago. Um, or for some of you, and this sounds weird, but it could happen. Some of you love the crash up derby and that's your thing and you love that sound. Or as I, th I thought about it and it actually brought me a little bit of joy because I know of two young men in this room that had a recent experience with a crazy accident. And when I hear that sound, I'm like, but they're still here. And so that brings thoughts of joy and hope for me. Okay, I think we have like two more total. I know, so I think for most of you, that's anxiousness at this time of year for some reason or another. Like, wait, I didn't know anybody was coming. What are they doing here? I'm not ready for them. Um, for some of you, ooh, who's coming to visit? That's like the freaky extrovert in the group that's just, ooh, somebody I get to talk to or meet. I had a friend like that, actually, Colin Bell. And um, someone came to the door, he talked to him. The people that would call to sell you something, back when we used to have normal phones, he would always pick that, hey, how you doing? He would talk to them forever. He'd get to know their family, and they were just trying to sell him something. And this is our last sound. child loves that song. Now for me, 
Uh, I shared this briefly a while ago. I don't remember when, but uh, I do not enjoy Christmas songs right now. Um, my wife dislikes them even more. And some of you are like, oh, how dare you? Uh, for us, that's tethered to a fractured time, a time when uh, I was in the hospital, and especially for my wife, because I was mostly unconscious, but when she would come in and out, it was Christmas music playing all through UCLA Hospital, and she couldn't stand it. And then somehow, um, we'd already had it pre-set up on um, our phone, which we play into her car. She has one of these cars where you can play into it, and it does it Bluetooth-wise. And so the sound of Christmas music was tied into her car. And for over a year after I got out of the hospital, we could not figure out how to disconnect it. So every time you turn on the car, it was dun, 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 or Merry Christmas or Santa's coming to town or whatever Christmas song you could imagine. And we'd, we'd cuss because just didn't want to go back to that moment because that sound was tethered to those feelings of suffering and difficulty and staring at our kids, going through this. So for all of us, these, these sounds, in fact, smells, are even more so, but I couldn't figure out a way to make you go through all the smells. I couldn't say, hey, here's some smells, smell it up. But um, with these experiences, they're highlighted during Christmas. Because at Christmas, you are spending more time with people, you're spending more time with family, and more emotions and things can come to the surface, more things can, can rise. In fact, I, was, um, uh, I have a couple situations uh, that happened not too long ago one of them, a friend, uh, was with his wife during Christmas, and um, he was telling this story, and as couples sometimes do, one person's telling the story, another person jumps in to fill in the gaps, and he just lost his cookies. He said, how dare you interrupt me? And we're like, what just happened? Because it didn't seem to fit the moment. You had any of those moments recently? <laughs> you seen any of those moments? They happen more during Christmas time than at any other time. Why? Because some of these tethered emotions, some of these experiences, they rise up and we're unconscious. We don't even know that they're happening. So I have a friend of mine who's a, a brain expert and I love people that love science and especially uh, physiology and the study of the brain. So I called him up this week and I said, let's, let's do a refresher course for me. Take me through this, what's happening? And so he had some amazing things to share with me and so I um, wanna share those with you. First of all, the brain, if you didn't know, uh, it runs on microvoltage. Basically, there's electricity all going through your brain. So when you have memories and thoughts, it's, you, your body is working all the time to figure out how to distribute the electricity, the voltage in your brain to where it needs to go. And if the limbic system, that's where your memories, emotions, because memory is shared throughout the brain, but a lot of it happens in the limbic system. If you have an experience of amazing joy, but especially of difficulty, um, then that gets placed into the limbic system. But what happens if you have a, a moment of intensity, like so much emotion that what your body does is it re releases cortisol, which shuts down the short-term memory. So it basically takes this experience, this memory, this electricity, and it tries to put it away as quick as possible. But what happens most often is it gets placed in the wrong 
place, the wrong location. And it's placed there, and unconsciously it's there, and it will come out. So my friend who lost his cookies, um, knowing him very well, I know that it came from some of his experience of not feeling valued, of uh, he wasn't heard as a child in his experience. So whenever he's cut off or he feels someone jumps in, it triggers that, and he doesn't even know what's happening until after the damage is done. Um, So with these high-stress situations, there's maladaptive storage. And Christmas time is a trigger for these stored experiences. It's a time when you're with people nonstop, and there's intentional family time. So when there's fractured experiences, when there's fracture in you, then that comes out more often during Christmas than any other time. And so as we're talking about the voices of Christmas, when we deal with these voices, the voice we're talking about this morning, we talked about the voice of money, we talked about the voice of time, but this morning we're going to talk about your voice. The voice, how you define yourself, how you see things, how you see other people. Because often through our life, maladaptive storage has happened which means you have placed things, you see yourself, you see other people wrongly. Or as uh, this scripture says, which is so appropriate, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way that leads to death. There are things that you think about yourself, there are things you think of others that aren't right. And so when you're with people, more often than those have a chance to come up. When you're back in your family with intentional time, there's great joy, but for some of us, that's mixture. There's joy and there's pain. And then for some of you, it's nothing but pain. And that comes up because it just rises out and it comes out of the unconscious because your brain's trying to figure out how to deal with it because you're fractured inside. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about these voices, but especially we're going to talk about Christ because he came to deal with this. I have one more situation that I want to share with you because I think it's important because I think this happens often when we're in social situations. And since there's so much of that happening during Christmas, we need to address it. Um, I, I I have many friends that struggle with this, but one woman in particular when she gets into a, into a group and into our group, quite often you don't know what's going to happen because we know that she feels on the outside, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, she'll come into a situation, she'll be with us, someone will say something, and she'll get angry, and you can just see it on her face, and everyone's like, uh, 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 and she's like that, and she doesn't want to be that way, and so then she tries to figure out how to get out of the situation. Sometimes she'll leave. Sometimes she'll just cover it up. And so her and I had a chance to talk a lot about where this comes from. Where is this rising? What's it tethered to? Why is she responding this way? And she sees herself all the way back to junior high. When you give her some time to to explore this and let it out, and she sees herself as short, overweight, made fun of, and on the outside looking in, which if you know her, makes absolutely no sense. She's tall. She's actually a professional athlete or was a professional athlete. 
everybody likes her. She's friendly to everybody. I mean, seriously, if she, if she had a Facebook page, it would have millions of friends, but she, but she sees herself wrong. There is a way that seems right to her, but it's leading to death because she ha- she's, she's tied into this fractured view of herself and of others. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm sure it's become obvious that I highlighted that word, the word, in green. Um, I shared with you the past few weeks the voice translation, and I love the way that they take that original language word, which is logos, which is such this rich, deep word, and they've changed it to the voice. So they've translated, instead of the word, they've translated voice, which it could go either way. But the power of it saying, in the beginning was the voice, and the voice was with God, and the voice was God, is that that voice brings light into the darkness. That voice brings wholeness where there's fracture. The verse that we read this morning, um, if you have your Bibles, open up, and um, I would say, do your best to memorize this. It ain't hard. Uh, I memorize it in a different version, um, but it says that a child has been born to us. A son has been given. And then it goes on to define that son, that child. Wonderful advisor here or wonderful counselor. Mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. This passage, you need to know some of the background. It's in Isaiah and it's a prophecy, but it's a prophecy couched in the middle of Isaiah talking to the people of Israel going through their history, going, remember when Assyria came over? Now, I know you're going, where's Assyria? Where's Assyria and Israel? Because let's face it, not many of us are, are masters of geography. So let's put it in United States terms. Let's assume that we're Israel, which we're not, but let's assume that we're the United States. Um, we don't have anybody to the uh, east of us. It's just water. And we're not going to go all the way to Europe. So let's assume that instead of Isaiah saying, hey, you know the Assyria coming from the east, since you're here in the United States, you know Canada... They came because you messed around with some of their, what they were doing. You were talking about what they were, their other colonies. You were messing with things you should have messed with. They got upset. So Canada came down and they took you away and they took people from you and they took you into captivity. So Isaiah is going back. Remember when everything was really fractured, when everything was really messed up? And he's going back to that time because that's, that's prior to this. And some of that has been fixed. And then he talks about the areas that were overtaken and the suffering and the loss. And then as he goes through that, then Isaiah switches to hope. And he says, but God is going to set things right. And that's when he says this, a child has been born for us. We've been given a son. And so Isaiah is giving this message from God and it's happening now, but he's emphasizing that it's going to happen. There's something larger here because in this time, they were always excited about the new ruler that was going to come. 
So he's talking about this new ruler, but then he starts throwing out these crazy terms like mighty God, eternal father. You don't, you can kind of deify rulers, but he's taking it to a whole nother level here. And that's how we know he's given us a prophecy, a prophecy to the Messiah, the, the weighted one, the one that we've been waiting for to set things right the way they're supposed to be. And he does it so beautifully, I think, here at the end. And that's what I want to focus on when he calls him the prince of peace. Because here's something we need to know about this word peace, or the prince of shalom. The word shalom, if you have been to Israel, you've been around Jewish people, hey, shalom, it's kind of like saying aloha. Like they just throw it out all the time. It's this catch-all word. But what does it mean? And especially, what does it mean for the people of Israel? What does it mean for us as a people? And what does it mean for us individually? Jesus came as the prince of shalom. What does that mean? Well, peace, it gets translated into English and we miss so much of what's in there. And what we miss is that peace does not mean the absence of conflict or strife. That is not peace. That is not what Jesus came. He did not come to get rid of all conflict and all strife. Peace, another way to translate it, a more full way to translate it is the prince of wholeness. To make things whole. To make things the way they're supposed to be. And so that's why when we say a child has been born for us, we've been given a son who will be our ruler. His names will be Wonderful Advisor and Mighty God, Eternal Father and Prince of Shalom or Prince of Wholeness The people of Israel are hearing this, and they're going, yeah, good, because things here are not the way they're supposed to be, and we need someone to set it straight, and if you're going through this Christmas, you know that inside you there are things that just aren't quite right. There's so much beauty. Even if you know Christ, you know that he's not finished. You know that the fullness of shalom has not happened because we know when things are not complete, when they're not whole. And that's why when we talk about being saved or reconciled to God, it's more than just our body or our soul being saved. It means things being set right. It means us being made whole. That's what it means to be saved not just in the later, but in the now, and it's a process. And that's why when we say this and we sing these songs about a child has been born for us, we realize that we needed God to come and to set things right because we know they're not right. But here's the thing with him coming to set things right because sin, um, the word sin, the noun, just means things that are wrong. So... There's the verb sin, and then there's the noun sin, but sin means things that are wrong, things that aren't right, things that aren't complete, things that aren't whole. And the reason that God hates it so much is because it disrupts shalom. It messes up wholeness. As you heard those sounds, and if there was any of those where it brought up negative connotations, that's fracturedness. That's something not quite right. My friend, when she looks at herself, she doesn't see herself correctly. She sees a fractured view of herself, like a mirror that you punch and then everything shatters. And so she looks at herself, she doesn't see herself correctly. And the way of that view is death. 
which is the lack of shalom. Now, when we talk about him being the prince of peace, we're like, yeah, that's awesome. We get all pumped up about it, but we need to understand that that is also very dangerous. Jesus coming as the wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of shalom, prince of peace, when he comes, he is dangerous. Jesus, he taught women, oh, you don't do that at that time. He would touch lepers, befriend sinners. He washed feet. He healed on the wrong day, and he ate with the wrong people. He's dangerous. And when we talk about Jesus as the voice, when you hear that voice, you have to ask yourself, as Jesus asked the one paralytic that was stuck at the, the pool of Siloam, and he said, hey, I know you've been here for 30-something years, but do you want to get better? What kind of question is that? Do you want to be whole? Because it's an important question. It was an important question for that man because if the voice, if you listen to that voice and you let the voice begin that process of setting you right and making you whole and complete, then you have to leave the life you were at before. That man would come to the pool and he was a beggar and people would provide him food, but now he's not going to be able to beg anymore. His whole life's going to have to change. That is difficult. Change is difficult. Moving is difficult. Going from one place to another is dangerous because everything changes. And getting healed and getting set whole doesn't always look as beautiful as it sounds. Um, I have my watch on, so you can't see it right now, but um, I have scars all here on my wrist because I was playing football and I have to stop right there because some of you are going to um, have a fractured view of what I mean by I was playing football. I did not play in high school. I did not play in college. I played a little bit when I was younger. And um, I'm like, this is horrible. This hurts. And so then I got into surfing. But you get older and your friends are playing football. And so you go and you play with them. And I was playing and um, my pride kicked in because I got burned on this one play. So then I was like out of control. And I jumped and fell, and I fell, on my, I fell backwards like this, and I looked at my wrist, and I was like, oh, that's not right. And so my friend rested. I'm like, you got to get me to the hospital because I had a fracture. And I'd never broken a bone before, so I didn't know what this was going to look like. And all of a sudden, this unique sensation came across my body. Um, known as very extreme acute pain. And so Rusty is driving because I cannot drive. And as we're driving, the shock kicks in, right? So you've got that adrenaline rushing through, covering over the pain. And as we're going, um, we're hitting all these red lights, and, and he'd slow down, and then he'd look at me, and he'd start going, cuss, 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 cuss. He wasn't saying cuss, but you can just fill in all the words if you want. You know them. And so he's, because he, he couldn't stop any of the lights, he'd slow down. He knew he was supposed to, but then he'd look at me screaming, or at least see me in discomfort, and he, he ran every red light for three miles, all the way to the hospital. And so we get there, and, and um, I hate needles. I grew up as a kid with asthma, so they were always pumping me with needles. But I walked in, and I said, just hit me up, man. Do what you got to do. I literally put my arms out, and I'm going, you, you hit me with needles, right? And sure enough, boom, 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 they're hitting me with all these needles. And then um, the doctor, as I'm still conscious, tells me what we're going to have to do to this fracture. He didn't ask the question, do you want to get well? But I understood that's what he meant. He goes, okay, so what we're going to have to do to fix this is break it again. What? 
Like, it sounds good to be made whole, doesn't it? It sounds pretty. Hey, I'd love to be complete again. Can we make it complete again? Because that's what I want. Come on, doctor of peace, doctor of shalom, make it whole again. But then he tells you we're going to have to break it again. And I'm like, well, when's this stuff going to start kicking in so I don't have to feel this? So I eventually passed out. But the pain was so great, I still vividly remember, you know, they fill you up with this pain thinking it's going to keep you knocked out. I remember going, and shot up and looked him in the eye as he's looking down at me, going, uh-oh, as he's re-breaking my arm. That's how intense the pain was. So we go through all that. Uh, they put the cast on. Then I go to the orthopedic guy. He looks at it, and he's like, well, it's not complete. It's not whole. We're going to have to break it again. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be complete? It sounds pretty. But just so you know, this voice, which brings light into the darkness, is dangerous because it will change things. God, I want to be whole. He's going to take you on a journey that's going to bring you to wholeness that is going to be dangerous and difficult because that's how it works. That's how this works. It's not like just, you're whole. That's not how real life works. So when we say a child has been born for us, we've been given a son, I want us to all understand what goes with that. There's fracturedness in our lives. There's fractured with us as this church. There's fracturedness as us as the big C church, the people of God. There's fracturedness in our community. There's things that aren't right. And it's not just about us individually. Well, God just set me right. No, God came for us. Notice it's plural. A child has been born for you. It doesn't say that, does it? We can't just always think individualistic. So what do we do with this? Well, first of all, we have to be realistic about our fracturedness. You can't just get over it. Have you ever heard someone tell you that before? Oh, that divorce or losing that child or this bad child, just get over it. That's just not the way life works. For unto us a child has been born, a son has been given to us, but it doesn't just fix everything right away. For us to be made whole, it's a process. To repent, we talked about this so many times before, where Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Paul said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent does not mean feel sorry. I know somehow in our language it got translated that way, and that's what you think when you hear the word, but repent means change the way you think. Rethink the way you think. That will bring about completeness and wholeness because there's fractured ways that we see ourselves and see others and the voice God himself his son came to set things right so that we would think correctly and so part of what we need to do here during this season is realize God continue doing what needs to be done so that I can think correctly help me to rethink what I think about myself help me to rethink what I think about my parents about my brother about my children, about my neighbor, about that person I work with, Lord, I've asked and prayed for you to fire them, but maybe you could help me to see what they've gone through. Give me compassion. Help me to rethink the way I think. This dangerous voice will bring wholeness, but it's not just him blowing his breath on us. That's why Jesus gives us these commands, because he loves us, because he wants us to set things right in us and in this world, which is why he emphasizes forgiveness. 
confession, generosity. This voice is going to call us to action that will bring about wholeness for others. And in that process, we will be set right as well. But it's not going to be easy. I want to tell us to move towards his voice. And I want to close with a movie clip because, well, I love movies, but I also think that the visual arts communicate in ways that words can't. And so the scene that we're going to show you is from uh, the movie uh, Man of Steel, Superman, because, well, come on, I'm a dude. I'm into those kind of things. But there's a scene where Superman's a child, and he has all of these stim- all this stimulus because he doesn't understand why he can see things and feel things and hear things that other people can't. And at first, it's horrific to him. And he doesn't understand, but his mom arrives. And his mom, to me, as I hear her speaking, that's how the voice of God presents itself. So if we turn off the lights and uh, we'll show you this clip. And in terms of everything we've shared this morning, about being fractured and the voice coming to set things right and about shalom, I want you to um, watch this clip. of you just teared up when he says what's wrong with me 
she just looks at it like, wow. That's how God sees you. During this holiday season, when our relational interactions are more than any other time of the year, during this Christmas time, when family dynamics and relationships are more present or maybe more absent than they've ever been, you need to remember who you are. Don't listen to those false voices that you've held on to, those false sounds, those false experiences, and they have defined you. You need to go to the voice. And I just look at that mom, looking at her son going, are you kidding me? There's nothing wrong with you. You are mine. You see yourself wrong. But I see you. God sees you. For unto us a child has been born, a son has been given. And this Messiah is the prince of wholeness. So when you enter into these social interactions or whatever the situation may be, begin to see yourself the way that God sees you and let him take you to that completeness so that you see what he sees and so that you then begin to live out what he designed us to live out. Father God, you are holy. So we surrender to you, Lord. We trust you. We trust you above trusting ourselves. Father, I think of you interacting with that woman that had that horrible reputation. So much so that the other, uh, the other people looked at her and said, how could how could the son of God be with this woman? And yet you said to her, go in peace. For her to see herself the way you see her. I think of the rich young ruler though that asked how can I have life and have it to the full and you told him what it would look like. That he wasn't his money, that he wasn't his youth, that he wasn't his power. And that for him to see that, he needed to let go, but he wouldn't. Father, give us the courage to trust your voice and to go where you lead us, to bring us to wholeness and completeness. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm going to close this out. You guys can take a seat real quick. Can we put the verse, the John 1-5 verse back up? Um. I like what Boog said about how Jesus being the Prince of Peace doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy. Um, sometimes, what do you say, he, the Prince of Shalom or wholeness and becoming whole sometimes hurts and it means being rebroken. Um, I feel like I've experienced a little bit of working towards becoming whole in certain aspects of my life um, over the last year or so and it um, requires, like Boogie said, repentance. It um, requires changing the way you think. And um, changing the way you think is hard, and we can't do it on our own. Um, and in order to become whole, though, in order to become more like Him, the way He intended us to be, it requires that being rebroken and maybe being broken again, like Boogie's wrist had to be. That sounds horrible. 
Um, but um, I love, that was just, this was so good because in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God or the voice. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things are made. That includes you and me. Um, without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. And um, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I love what Derek shared this morning. Um, no matter how dark or what bad emotions or what bad experiences, holidays or any other time um, bring up, or the brokenness that you're reminded of, um, you are made in the image of God. You are made through him. You are made by him and his light shines within each and every one of us. And um, again, no matter how dark it is, that little tiny candle, um, the light is gonna overcome the darkness and that's that symbol of hope of becoming redeemed, becoming whole and um, having that life to the fullness that he intends us to have. So um, as we enter into this last kind of crazy week before of the holidays, um, just it's hard to focus on that when it's crazy, but take a deep breath and just close your eyes and follow that voice, follow that one that um, is here for us and loves us more than anything. Um, I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for um, these people, this church, um, and this community that we have. I pray that in the midst of this last crazy week, um, we would remember why we're celebrating it and that we would remember that you are the light and um, we have that opportunity to um, let that light of yours shine through us and um, we love you. Be with us in your son's name. Amen.